I wasn't here last week, so I don't know if y'all, I don't think you went over this, this WeWork stuff, but I just want to start right off the bat. I read this, I read this, uh, best slides from SoftBank's WeWork focused earnings report. Now listen, uh, I need some help figuring out if the journalists who wrote this are like very, like being very like responsible. And not just saying that these slides are crazy because I don't I don't see them at any. They're like, here are my favorite slides. I agree with this model. Like, like in my when I read through this, and I, I know this is great podcast material, so let me I'll talk about. It, but, <laughs> but, but when I, when I read through this, each of them are talking about like, oh, this is a good direction. These this this is a good way to do things. But okay. Uh, but but when you look at it. Basically, it reminds me of, of like, you know, some kind of kids in the hall skit where like they're going over the, the, you know, how to do business and there's a chart where the arrow is pointing downwards and they're like, listen, all you have to do is make the arrow go upwards and they rotate the chart and the arrow goes the other direction. And, and, and there is also, there's a slide they've excerpted that says gross profit low minus opex high equals EBITDA, you know, EBITDA negative. And, and at no point in coverage of these slides does the journalist say, and these are people who are responsible for billions of dollars <laughs> making these slides. Because these, yeah. these slides are like, I don't know. I want to go out on a limb here and say they're trash. They're, they're just like, like basically what these slides propose is that we were spending a lot of money, more money than we make. And so what we're going to do is spend less money than we make. And right. then and then we get to turn that chart, you know, would that be a um that would be a 90 degree turn, right? Is that right? We're going to turn that chart 90 degrees. We're going to do <laughs> one we're going to do one click on the on the photos rotate thing. Right. What, what 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 the slides are missing is just you know uh, a, a slide that says like you know earnings down sad face earnings up happy face <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna turn your earnings upside down I mean I mean I feel like and 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 my understanding is that this is from SoftBank's uh, annual quarter report I don't know something to shareholders like um I don't know it just seems like it seems- not not what it what it's not helpful it seems like it's targeted at like a half page ad in usa today like this isn't <laughs> yeah this is if i'm an investor well geez i mean now this just points to all sorts of things that are wrong now now what <laughs> you, could, you know what your original question i guess i read i didn't read this closely enough i read this more like they were kind of dunking on they are know, making fun on. of yeah. I don't know, but now I'm actually rereading this. I yeah, mean, they says, don't. They're, they're she very says, like. I'm gonna quote. Let me let me quickly quote here. I want to be very clear up front that I love SoftBank's latest slideshow. I say that with no malice, no sarcasm, no sarcasm, nothing. I mean it. Oh, and I'm like, I say, like, all over. But then yeah. she's ducking because I do think Scott Galloway, if you like 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 him, listen to the Pivot mm-hmm. podcast. I think last week he he had he just destroys these uh, these slides uh, in in a really great way. But I'm. I I don't know now I'm now I'm confused now I'm like was she, did I just talk myself out of it is she clearly dunking on this and just like we're all in on the joke or is or no you can you can look at all of the slides and I don't have time I don't know if if Professor Scott Gall- Galloway like 
look through them in default, but you look through these slides and these are basically, I mean, these are basic, this is like classic, like corporate MBA slides, just like bar charts that basically go over a model of how they came to a number and like, whatever, it's financial corporate development slides. They don't actually tell you, you know, how anything is going to, anything qualitative, like how and differentiation and stuff like that, which is totally cool, but they show you how numbers are composed and derived. And then there's, you know, always there's, um, they've got some slides that I guess are like comparables to compare to other things about the performance of SoftBank. So I assume you look through these slides and you're supposed to be like, based on what healthiness is, everything's cool or not, which is, which is fine. But then you get, you get to, to the, 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 those WeWork ones and they're very, very confusing. Like, like, no, there's one they didn't excerpt. They should have excerpted this one. That's hypothetical illustration of factors of EBITDA. And gross profit has a blue arrow pointing up. And it says minus. Yes. And the OPEX yeah. has a blue arrow pointing down. And that equals an EBITDA. I can never say that. Of of a blue arrow going up. Which, I mean, again, like, well, I, like I, I, almost, go- I almost want to go find, I guess maybe there's a recording of them going over this and just see what is going on with that slide. Like, like as if to be like, WeWork has figured out a new strategy, uh, which, you know, we've, we've taken great pains to illustrate in this slide. And that strategy is we're going to spend less money than, than we, uh, we bring in. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you look at back at the original slides, uh, which are linked in the article. There's like 90 of them. So yeah, yeah, that's, a lot what, of the that's slides what I'm flipping that, through here. And most yeah, of them a lot fine. of the slides that excerpted are like the kickoff slides. Like, you know, hey, here's yeah, the things yeah. we're going to talk about for the next six or seven slides. And yeah, they do seem overly simplified. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's but, again, there's plenty of slides that are like typical, like corporate development stuff where, you know, you spend a lot of time. Lots like, of numbers and yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and again, you know, I'm I'm a novice. I only did stuff like this for a couple of years, but I'm very much a novice at this because I was the qualitative person. But it's just like all you're doing is basically trying to be like, we're cool and we should have a good valuation. So you should keep, you know, your money with us. Everything's fine. Which no change in our journey. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you 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 these <laughs> slides accomplish that in a technical enough way. And, you know, they've got free clat free cash flow and discounted cash flow. So you're just like, that's, that's dandy. They're basically, they're suggesting the model that you should use when evaluating the, the company SoftBank. And that's fine. No problem there. But, but I think, I think on its own, that would be fine. And you would look at the, 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 the WeWork ones and be confused. But again, the other thing that's confusing is, is I, I kind of like half read that article twice, which I guess is a full read. And again, I still don't know, is this like, is this some sort of Jonathan Swift article that I'm just not smart enough to like read? Or are those really slides that people found helpful? Well, I, we don't have to revisit it. I just wanted to, yeah. people should go visit this. But I do, I like it to see the slides like this just because oftentimes when you're working on PowerPoints and anything, you always wonder like, man, I wonder if these other people at this other place where they have billions mm. of dollars, maybe they figured it out. And then you see their decks and you're like, nope, nope. my work is nope. maybe even better than theirs. And then you just keep yeah. going. It makes you feel better. You're like, yeah, no one else has it figured out either. Does it, you know? does it make you feel better or make you feel worse? Right? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I've choose, been going through I this. choose to feel better when I see these things, but I do feel often feel bad sometimes when I'm making my own yeah. sense. I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, yeah. it's not no, good. I, I, when, when I, I had the same reaction when I was scrolling through these, 
it made me feel worse, right? Because I'm like, I'm like this, this exists in the world and I, and I do not benefit from its simplicity, right? Like it's a very selfish. It's it's not just, you know, turtles all the way down. It's turtles all the way up too. And, and, and and even more significantly, like, you know, where are my turtles? Like if, if, if like, well, how, how can I benefit from this simplicity? Like I, I would like, I feel like I'm working too hard if like, I mean, next time I do a, maybe I'm getting a little too harsh here, but, uh, you know, wouldn't, I mean, this, it's, a, it's this podcast, but like, I feel like maybe next time I'm asked to come give a presentation, I should just have like a slide that's like, you know, agile software development plus containers equals profit. <laughs> And just exactly. be like, and just be like, we're going to go over this slide for 40 minutes. It's one of my favorites. It's a, uh, I will say when you do that, Kote, I think a key to delivering that presentation is to be worth billions of dollars mm, when, when yeah. you're giving it. Okay. Cause then you will okay. not, you will not be given, uh, you will not be asked a lot of the questions that you would be if you just give it and you're just worth like, you know, yeah. like no money. Clearly, oh. clearly you know what you're doing because you've got billions of dollars. Yes. Yeah. I guess, I guess uh, so. I, it's very, yeah. yeah. You see, you can tell how shocked I am. Well, so I was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe there was, it was April Fools, uh, cause, cause I was reading that article. And then, and then, uh, you know, as if, as if to keep fooling me, it's like April Fools about April Fools. I read, right. I read this announcement that what GitHub is doing, and I, and I swear, I read through this again. I was like, is this, is this a joke? Is what are they doing? They've got, <laughs> they've got some giant panels that they're printing the source code for TensorFlow on. And then putting them in an abandoned Norwegian mine uh, to it's preserve not them. Or, well, yeah, I mean, I guess but, it's not abandoned anymore, but it's no yeah, longer. Yeah. I get that would be even better if it's like it's still an operational <laughs> coal mine, and we're going to put these. But and and yeah. I think and 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 as as if to be the icing on the cake, who shows up but the Stuart Brand gang? The somehow the Long Now Foundation is involved. I, and, I know. I this this like. Clearly, these people have missed the point of distributed version control. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I feel like I feel like something's happening in the world where no. Well, is, are there more jokes that I'm missing? Because I've been trying to finish this book. Um, I got a bunch of slides I have to go update now. But I've been trying to finish this book, so I haven't been reading things. And maybe there was an announcement that there's uh, November Fools has come about, mm-hmm. and I just missed it. No. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a, in my mind, a very stupid stunt, right? Mm. I mean, the whole point to this code is like, uh, you know, it's supposed to like, you know, live forever. It's like, well, what happened, you know, to all the bugs that got fixed in the release after the one that they etched in stone, mm. right? So it's, I mean, this is just, it's dumb. <laughs> it's it's kind I mean, of like, it's, it's, you know, I I know this has been covered many times by people recently, but it's sort of like. Was it was it that golden album album on Vigor? I don't think that one's on there, but just that that idea that we're gonna shoot some um some some never ending what what would you call that? The the Voyager thing. It's not a satellite, it's a unmanned spacecraft. Uh, probe. A probe. Yeah, a, a probe. Yeah, right. and it had that it had that gold album it had on the it gold that has record and which 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 uh in all fairness to that gold record tried to include instructions for how to use it, right? So Yeah probably etching you know the code to tensorflow onto stone or glass or, or whatever mm. for 10,000 years isn't going to help anybody when you know they're like step 1 you know install linux on 
you know, some x86 based system. Oh, well, wait, maybe those haven't that. existed for, you know, 20,000. Yeah, exactly. Right. Huh. I mean, there's just so much wrong with this that it's dumb. <laughs> now, but now Microsoft, we didn't talk about last week, but I was out there. And one of the announcements they made, I, I think, in there was this idea of new glass storage. And they were teaming up with Warner Brothers to, like, I guess, store Superman on this, like, new yeah, sure. like, long-term glass storage, which I, which I thought was, like, oh, okay. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's sort of like a new version of uh, tape, you know. But I think I think their idea was just, like, 100 years now, right? They figured that, you know, that, that would be long enough before someone could then make – uh, figure out what to do next. So I, I don't know. And then I will say in the Slack, many people commented that like, you know, just, just a Git repo that hasn't been touched in like a few months is almost impossible to rebuild. So can you imagine, right. you know, like, I guess that's the obvious, I mean, I guess what you have to embed on it are like the, uh, the architecture of the processor, how to build the processor. Like, you know, you have to like almost like yeah. everything. So if someone ran into it, it's like, well, I guess maybe you have the capability to, you know, rebuild all this if you if you are so inclined to run it for some reason. But uh, it seems uh, it does seem to have questionable value. All right. Well, I, I, I mean, I, the, the, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the the real value would be like explaining the algorithms that are the basis for the code. The code itself, the implementation doesn't matter. Hmm. I, I, yeah, but but I am glad that they figured out that Warner Brothers and and Microsoft figured out a way to put Superman in the Phantom Zone. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, well done. Well played. <laughs> so, yeah, that, they've awesome. got that going for <laughs> Awesome. Hmm. I don't really know what that means. You put your code in the Phantom Zone. <laughs> I was I was never I, I was never a big uh big Superman fan. Seems No, me neither. Just too yeah. Easy. yeah, exactly. What's wrong with Superman? Um, but anyway. Yeah. Uh a, a, in my mind a a useless stunt, but whatever. Yeah. What do I know? I just talk. I like those Teen <laughs> Titans, though. That, that's that's pretty good. I'm into that. <laughs> I, I like Batman, but yeah, but, but sure. you know the cartoony Teen Titans, not the not the actual ones, just the the jokester yes. ones. So, uh, well, I, I want to get I want to get to something you know to ground me, some amount of certainty that 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 I can rely on. But before we get to that, so Brandon, you mentioned the uh, the 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 Professor podcast. There is that the one with Kara Swisher. Yeah. Now, now you know me well. Is this a podcast I'm going to like, Brandon? I don't think you're going to like it, but I like it. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that means. I think I think it's probably like, mm, I think it's just like a little too hot takey for you. Like, there's going to be a lot of hot takes and a lot of just, um, but I like it. Like, I have, like, I don't know. I do have this kind of love hate with Galloway, right? I think he, there are times he's just too much. And, you know, but there are places like where he's clearly done his homework, right? There's something like this WeWork yeah, yeah. thing. I think he deserves a lot of credit for like, you know, publicizing like all the craziness. And I don't know. I know he has a team behind him. And so maybe, you know, his staff and stuff helped him. But like he really did it. Now, there are other times you're, you you kind of feel like if he gets, as we've often discussed, sometimes like when people get closer to stuff you know about and they start talking and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't think this guy knows as much. Um, but I think there are it's worth to me that the noise the signal to noise ratio is good enough that there's like some really good nuggets in each episode. But there are times where it's just like, eh, it's a little just kind of like regurgitating stuff you probably have already heard about or don't care about. Mm. You know, that that makes that you know, just brings me back to how even more how horrific those slides are. I was talking about earlier is like, what if you were to give those to a pro and they're like, no, these are really good slides. This is like, this is how you do it. And I would just, I would just like, I would, you know, I'd be blown. I would be very confused. 
I'm just mm-hmm. taken aback by it. I'm I'm on my back foot. It's like it's like the first time I heard that you could put tuna on pizza. I just needed a couple of weeks to recover from that. Well, I do think this is where Galloway is. I you know this is where I give him the biggest credit here because he has certain credentials. You know, he's an uh, NYU professor. He started a couple of companies, so he has enough credibility now, right, where he can just call bullshit on these slides, right? And whereas like if mm. me or you or other people were to do it, you'd be like, you guys don't get it. You don't understand how venture capital works. You don't, you know, whatever. But he's really made his name on uh, analyzing companies and issuing a lot of bold predictions, a lot of which have come true, a bunch haven't. So so it's it's nice to just, you know, have someone in his position to say like, no, these slides are nonsense, right? Yeah. Whereas if you're not in, if you didn't have that, like people would probably come at you as like, you just don't get it. Or maybe you, you yourself would question It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they're yeah, worth a hundred billion dollars. Maybe this is a good way to do it. So I think he provides like a really good, um, you know, if you will, just it's public service. Right. And he's also, you know, he gets into some other po- politics and things like that. He'll call people out around, you know, going to specific conferences that are you know probably politically incorrect. So he's, you know, he he's found a good role for himself, and he's probably making a ton of money doing mm-hmm. like really being a truth teller, right? To uh, at least on certain subjects that other p- people aren't talking about. Now, now right? on, on this, afraid to talk about on the show, do they interview people, or is it just them two talking? It's mostly just those two talking. Oh, they do eventually. Like they that. do sometimes. They do sometimes interview, and they've done some pretty big interviews, like uh, you know, like uh, some of the political candidates and Kara Switcher. I mean. You know, she's a pretty I, – I would describe her as a confrontational interviewer. Like she's going yeah. to ask you – like if you go on stage with her, you know, be prepared. She's going to ask you about whatever is controversial. So she doesn't really pull any punches. So that's another um, – which is, I, again, often I like it, but sometimes you can be like, yeah, you know, you just kind of like – sometimes you know how it is where like you know it's going to be confrontational, so the person isn't going to say anything. So they're just going to give you the pat answer. So it's just like, well, nothing's going to happen here. But uh, yeah. but they're a good mix. Well, I mean, all right. right. I, I, think, I think I, I assumed it was one of those like, you know, whoever wrote a, a, is on a book junket this week, like podcast, where they just like show mm-hmm. up and they interview them. But if that is not the case and they don't interview it, because I like both of those people's style a lot, and uh, maybe I'll check it out. And, and and it'll be fine. That's the good good pre recommendation recommendation, Brandon. Excellent job. Excellent. <laughs> well, you know, let's say let's say you're you were running one of these successful podcasts that uh that everyone was listening to and something was happening. Maybe your service was going down and you wanted to figure out what, what uh how you how uh, you could prevent that problem from happening again. Is there some tool you might use, Matt Ray? Uh yes there is. Thanks for asking. This episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their APM tools, Logly. No one wants to find out about a critical operational issue on Twitter. With SolarWinds Logly, you can spot issues before they affect users by setting up alerting that will notify you immediately when a problem arises. Why stop there? Take it further and proactively monitor your applications using the Logly charts and dashboards to help visualize what matters and quickly spot patterns across dynamically changing and interconnected services, events, and issues. Connect the dots across your log data with Logly. Logly scalable, cloud-based log management that won't break the bank. Plus, SDT listeners get a special 20% off your first-year contract of Logly from now until December 31st, 2019, when you mention you're a listener of a SDT. New customers only, void work prohibited. Try it free for 14 days. Go to logly.com slash SDT, all lowercase. If it logs, it can log to Logly. Well, they should figure out a way to get a fourth log in that sentence. Uh, maybe some people can, can <laughs> come to some suggestions. That's good. Well, log it in. That's that's right. That's funny. You you could log it in. That's like a pun. 
lock it. Yeah. Most puns people don't like. I can't, I can't, my, my son, we started, we've only done it twice, but we were trying to play this little simple role-playing game thing. I'll have to post the rules that, that I found for it. But I came up with a, with a spell that you can make someone laugh uncontrollably, except the player has to tell a relevant pun or a joke. So I'm looking forward to my nine-year-old son coming up with puns or jokes to tell and seeing how, how that works out. So far, he hasn't used it. Uh, but, you know, he got really excited to play some sort of dragon lizard man paladin. And so we're trying that out. I don't even know what that is. We have two ads this week. So we've got, I'm going to give a little geographic oddity. I've got a, a, a minor one and a major one. Uh, I was in London earlier this week. Uh, first of all, I was, I've discovered that, um, there's this thing. I don't know if, if us modern people know about them called, uh, taxi cabs. And often you'll find these taxi cabs at places like airports and busy cities just sort of lying about, just able to, you know, ready to use. And in the, it, in the taxi rank. Yeah, yeah. Or just on the, like the streets of London. But, sure. you know, so like I, I had this realization uh, when I was in the Austin airport where I forget if I went over this, but I was waiting for my Uber to come and I looked over and there was this line of taxis. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if I could use one of those to take me somewhere. And uh, <laughs> I, I walked over there and I just got into a cab and he took me to my hotel and he didn't even try to wow. talk to me. It was awesome. And uh, I I do like that about taxi drivers. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I think I've been trying taking cabs a lot more. Which if you're in like parts of Germany, you have to because you know you've got to go in those those uh, cream colored coupes that they have. Uh, but man, they they're so nice. They just if you find one, that's really the only disadvantage is finding one. Uh, but in London, it's really easy to find a cab. So I was in a in a in one of those cabs. And uh, the guy started talking to me uh, after a while, uh, which is rare, but it's a long trip. And somehow, of course, he started talking about like uh, he asked me what I thought about Brexit, and uh, and what, what I was happened to not talking. I yeah <laughs> yeah it went, it went I was in it was like a thirty minute cab ride, so I think he just couldn't control himself or something. <laughs> sure. And uh, but then the the oddity was like I told I kept telling I kept trying to tell him I don't understand why it exists and he would never answer my question so i feel like this is this is an issue that's the minor thing here's a major geographic oddity is like uh so i went to a malaysian restaurant i took a picture of this and you can get a bowl of uh like i think it's called laksa which is basically like this heavy coconut creamy spicy dish and this one had like mm-hmm. uh shrimp and tofu and chicken in it and flat rice noodles, which at first I thought the the, the waitress uh, had a, a kind of a thick accent from somewhere. I don't really know where. And I thought she said it was flat rice. And so I was imagining that they would take rice and kind of flatten each little grain of rice out, which I thought would be a fun adventure, but it was just flat rice noodles. But I also ordered some prawn chips or fish flavored chips that were really big. And I realized what you could do is you could dip the prawn chips into the laksa soup and you would have kind of like chips and queso, and that was that was uh, that was an enjoyable thing for me to do. So, next time you're at a Malaysian restaurant, you can make some uh, some Malay queso there, and uh, it's mighty delicious. But you know, speaking of speaking of, uh, let's say I maybe I I uh, I was trying to find out not only what the deal with Brexit was, and I finally found this server that I could go to that explained why is this happening, what are the goals. That people who want it to ha- happen, what goals do they have, and, and and what are they reacting to? And I'm starting to load this server, and then it just goes, as they say around here, kaput. It just goes down. Now, now, Brandon, is there someone who might be notified 
that the server has gone down that's so they could bring it up so after all these years i could finally figure out why this brexit thing is happening absolutely this episode is brought to you by PagerDuty. in an always-on world teams trust PagerDuty to help them deliver a perfect digital experience to their customers every time with PagerDuty, teams spend less time reacting to incidents and more time building for the future from digital disruptors to Fortune 500 companies, over 12,000 businesses rely on PagerDuty to identify issues and opportunities in real time and bring together the right people to fix problems faster and prevent them from happening again. We're like the central nervous system for a company's digital operations, so we can analyze digital signals from virtually any software-enabled systems and help you intelligently pinpoint issues like outages, as well as capitalize on opportunities, empowering teams to take the right real-time action. To see how companies like GE, Vodafone, Box, and American Eagle Outfitters rely on PagerDuty to continuously improve their digital operations, visit pagerduty.com. And of course, tell them your friends at Software Defined Talk sent you. You know, while you were going over that, I went back to look at those slides. And... uh... Let it go. Let it go. I just, I just, I just. I mean, I would encourage the listeners to just go read read this this article, and and it's just it's so much detail about like, uh, it's just amazing. Anyways, it's such a strange. I mean, they're basically like so, so they cover that they they like we appreciate the honesty of these slides. And uh, then there's even one where they're like, why do they generate so much negative, uh, you know, abita? And then, and then, and then they use the slide to be like, oh, it's because they spent more money than they brought in. Hmm. Great slide. Mm. Yeah. And then, well, and then, speak- and then they're like, there's, there's three, three things SoftBank is going to do to turn this around, which is cost reduction and getting rid of unprofitable businesses and not building new things. And then there's like this slide of the hypothetical illustration of profitability, which is like this perfectly smooth curve going up to the, uh, to, to the upper right hand side. And they repeat this slide and the, the reporters are basically like, Oh, good plan. And I just, you know what? At this point, I'm going to assume that this is a very elaborate joke. And, and it's just like, they were like, let's write the this totally. They're like, let's write this straight. <laughs> And just see what happens. And uh, I, I don't know. Well, the, uh, clearly, clearly they got you, man. <laughs> what a, what a, what a! I feel like what a sucker. I feel like, ha ha. Oh man, speaking of suckers. Oh, oh. <laughs> so yeah, this is the other thing I was reading, and and I, I, uh, I've been out of it. But apparently, so, so you got, you got. It turns out there were two parts of Docker. There was Docker yeah. Enterprise, and then yep. there was Docker Developer stuff. And, yeah, they're uh, they're a regular HP. And so, <laughs> so the company has now split into two, and the Docker Enterprise yep. part has been sold to Mirantis for an undisclosed sum. And I think Mirantis, the last time we talked about them, they were going down this path of like uh, build pipelines and Kubernetes. So they were kind of you know doing doing their 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 thing as they say there. So now they get uh, from if I remember, there's basically 300 employees who I assume are developers and salespeople and it looked like they're uh i don't know if they call them alliances or partnerships or whatever but they're partnership management people which you know is always yeah. fine uh and uh so they go over to Morantis, presumably to just uh you know the and the customers move over too so i think that uh that helps Morantis with their uh you know their container kubernetes business and they they sure. get all the uh the docker people but now so then the developer part 
and then and then also uh, Scott Johnson is his name, right? He was the head of marketing there forever, and I think he worked at Puppet for a long time, if I remember right. He he becomes the CEO of Docker. Let's call it Docker Developer, and their focus is on the. So I was confused about this because there was I don't know if it's the command line tool, but like whatever tool chain developers use, plus an ability to share things more, and then more to come or something like that. And then they also got thirty million dollars from from uh, from Benchmark. Uh, you know, they didn't just get thirty million dollars; it's it's an investment. Uh, I assume they, they probably had some good slides. <laughs> and and uh, so so that that makes it my first question as always, Matt Ray. So, so what is Docker Enterprise? Right, right, all right. So, so um, I, I can I can answer this one. Docker Enterprise mm. is all the packaging that Docker had built around um, Swarm and later Kubernetes. Uh, their on-prem um, package uh, repository, so their their Docker registry, and kind of you know the other supporting technology around it so everything that you would do to kind of run the on-prem container orchestrator right mm. so parts of it were parts of it were open source um they had their their uh you know a ui and control plane for it um and i guess some of the some of the tooling you know i'm sure that you know that's that's got to be further split out between mirantis and and uh you know new docker uh, about who gets to manage which parts of the, the CLI experience. Because right, it right, sounds right. like, you know, if, if you're headed down the application development, you're going to care more about, you know, developer tools. But interacting with this Docker enterprise means you care about, you know, developer tools and, right. and CLI experience. So, um, so tell me yeah. if this is right. So so basically what Mirantis will have with, with, with uh, Docker enterprise is like, all of the container orchestration, Kubernetes, and Swarm stuff that the operations people would run and and, yes. and control, and then that presumably means that uh, Docker developer is just like the the sort of the the stuff that developers would do. Which in, in their their three part thing is, is is you build so you whatever tools you use, I guess uh, like Docker Compose oh, and package. apps to to, yeah. to package yeah, things yeah. up to make your containers yeah. are in that, and then you have your share. Which I guess it says that's I mean that's like a hosted registry somewhere, but not the kind of registry yeah, you would so, use in in enterprise. So it must be something different. Well, uh, so so yeah, things get a little you know. I'm sure they still have to work out the exact details. So Docker Hub is kind of a a public Docker registry where you know you could share your images and everyone everywhere could grab them. And you know I'm sure Docker has a big um, hosting bill for that, uh, but. Is that the same thing that was the on-prem Docker registry? No. You know, I don't know, um, but it sounds like Docker Hub goes with you know the new Docker developer company. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know the 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 last part of that Docker experience uh, Docker developer company is the running. And so I guess you know they they say oh we'll you know keep working with Docker Swarm, but probably you know they focus only on Kubernetes at this point. So. Now they're competing in, you know, the early, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're competing with, well, they're still competing with, you know, Pivotal and Red Hat. Um, just focus more narrowly on, you know, the front end of that experience, I guess. Mm. So, so Brandon, you're always good at saying, so, so, you know, we got this 
we got this situation uh, uh, sorted out here with what's what's going to happen with with Docker. I mean, you know, who knows what the conclusion is, but who who loses out in this situation? Who's who's upset that this this happened? Well, I think you know the original investors of Docker. I think it was two hundred thirty-seven <laughs> million that they uh, invested in it. So I would assume that was essentially zeroed out. And then, mm. you know, it's all a bunch of people. I mean, it is fair to say people said, "Hey, you got to remember, there's a lot of employees and that got affected, so they basically were wiped out of their stock." Right? It sounds like three hundred people <clears throat> either got new jobs or maybe more likely they got the opportunity to interview for new jobs. That's probably what's happening behind the scenes. I would guess. So. You know, huge loss for the venture capitalists, for probably all the rank and file employees. And then, you know, any, I don't know what the founders maybe took out, you know, as part of that um, selling some of their shares. You know, I guess, was it Solomon Hikes? Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, obviously they, they, they raised money early on, and I would assume they took some money out of the company during that period of time. So they probably did okay, probably, you know, like, probably not to the yeah. point of like being billionaires, but, uh, Everybody else really completely lost their their shirts. So I don't know. I mean, I guess because some people were like really like, oh, this I can't believe this happened. You got to think about the employees. I just think you know if if these employees were surprised by this, that's probably <laughs> the thing they made the mistakes. Hey, when you go work at one of these places, this is a very likely outcome. And I choose that word strongly. It's like it's actually more likely that something like this happens than like something great happens. So mm. I hope nobody was like buying a house or, you know, same thing with all the WeWork people. It's like, I hope no one like until you have the money, you do not have the money. Do not like options are not money. And you've not and then uh, the quicker you learn that in life, the better off you will be. So um so hopefully nobody, you know, did anything crazy. So um so that part I think all of that, you know, they're the cl- clear the biggest losers, I guess. It's impressive that they sort of, I guess, recapitalized the company and just kind of, I think it's $35 million is what they raised. So they're essentially just, from what I look at, they're just starting over. And they must believe that they've got the right people and some kind of take on the developer experience or workflow yeah. um, that some path yeah, goes I mean, forward. So anybody that was left, I guess the winners would be whoever's left there. And then, because I think they're probably starting the company completely over, new cap table, everything. It's like, well, they get another chance to swing, you know, swing for the fences and, and maybe, you know, from the sale of Docker Enterprise, something new can emerge and they can at least have a chance to make money. Because the, the the previous structure, right, like everybody knew it was dead. So so if I guess there's anything good happening here is the fact that it's over. People can move on mm. now, right? They can decide what they want to do. So that's probably the, the best takeaway for most of the people involved. Yeah. And, well, you, you know, and, GitHub was worth a lot of money, which basically just like hosted a version control thing. And so maybe they're like, hey, developer stuff, you know, there's a there's good opportunity there, which 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 I suppose would, would make sense. I still I still don't quite uh, quite know the potential of a previous set of tools like developer tools that basically uh, generate very little revenue because developers don't spend that much money. <laughs> However, in, in, in the context of like, but if like a public cloud or a big chunk of infrastructure people owned it, it gets bundled into the entire package and therefore is part of revenue generation. Like right. That shift, right. I still don't quite have pat down like like other things. So maybe there's uh, there's some potential there. And then I guess like, well, I don't know, like like JetBrains has been a company for a while. Or is it not Jet, they're the idea, uh, IntelliJ people, right? Like right, right. they seem to be doing all right. And uh, I don't know. Well, and and Docker has they've got kind of two things going for them. They've already got brand recognition, even mm. though they're a different company. You know, they're they're you know getting to reuse that Docker name, and you know their tooling's already installed on a 
boatload of machines, mm. right? So there's already, and you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not our listeners, but there are folks out there who will completely miss this, right? There, there are a lot of people who don't pay attention to the day-to-day mm. happenings of the software industry, and they won't know that you know this is a different Docker company. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm yeah. serious. Like they're just consuming what's coming down the pipe, and if you know the the new do, you know Docker developer company can really focus on you know taking the traction they already have and finding things to make that really valuable and moving faster, right? Moving faster for those user that large user base I have. You know, if you look at who's raising money and how much they're raising, thirty five million's not a ton. Yeah. Right. So, no, so I do think the other point I was going to make here is like they do. I think they're in the right problem space. But they, yeah. I mean, if you look at all the stuff that's come out. So and I know these aren't 100 percent apples apples. But yeah, Google Anthos, Microsoft Azure Arc, um, you know, this new Google project scaffold. There's a bunch of small companies like uh, Rafi and others that are all kind of doing. I would say they're all broadly focused in on the. It's way too complicated, hmm. right? To just you know use Kubernetes as it is, and the experience is too complicated. So therefore, we should make it easier. And and everyone kind of has like their own take on that. Um, and then there's kind of like when you mix in like, well, also the reason it's hard is that people want to deploy clouds in different places. So you gotta mix all that together. You could say like, there's definitely people talking about it. There's definitely a need to make this simpler. So Docker entering, you know, clearly to your point, has a brand and they have some point of view that they're entering the market with. But it is pretty competitive. Um, and then, of course, you know, we're just two or three weeks away from AWS reInvent. And so we just have to assume, you know, AWS is going to, you know, some surely they're going to get involved in this this some way. Right. They're going to do something. Yeah. So um, so so I think it's it's one of those things like not a crazy like if you're a venture capitalist back to like I can see why they got money. I can see why there's some upside. Um, but so I guess Cote's original point that got on this is like it does seem the value captured here is likely to go to the mega cloud vendors, at least yeah. that's my initial guess. So uh, still, yeah, that hasn't so, changed. Yeah, so that hasn't changed. So like, does this new strategy and maybe Docker learning from the past, do they kind of go into this with either building a really good acquisition target, or do they have some new take on it, right? That's going to allow them to like you know essentially charge for this. Mm. Um, because and the final point is because I think GitHub. As you go back to them, it's like, I think when people started that, they're like, oh, there's no way that's going to make money. And then over time, you know what I mean? It's sort of like evolved. Whereas, you know, I think yeah. in this case, Docker is kind of coming the other way. It's like, you, you better have a way to make money like pretty soon, pretty quick, or you're going to find yourself having another announcement like this in a couple of years. But, mm. but I, I, w- I want to talk about the real weirdness here. Mirantis. <laughs> I mean, you know, w- was Docker, you know, pre split or whatever shopping docker enterprise around and i mean no, no offense to mirantis but like why did not you know oracle or netapp or hpe or you know a dozen other traditional enterprise companies pick up this docker enterprise component right because they to get that you know toehold in you know if you're cisco and you're still trying to ship a kubernetes product this gives you a toehold in 400 customers hmm. right I do, but I, mean, I think you have to start with weird. but start with <laughs> that three hundred employees. Thing. I think that's the place you have to start and say, like, just assume like gave it to you for nothing, right? It's like, okay, you gotta come up with yeah. take on yeah, a here, payroll. Here's automatic, right? Or yeah, you know, here's, here's three hundred yeah, here's three hundred employees that we've promised jobs or you know, some collection, and then here's the maintenance contracts and stuff like that. So so you gotta go through that. Like obviously Cisco I think is out of this game for a while. So I mean and then 
IBM's already bought, you know, they just made their play, right? They spent their money, VMware. Yeah, course, yeah. You know, Kotek and Tavik, they spent their money on the, in this area. So, so you're really just talking people, to... Yeah, still slinging Kubernetes who, you know, think you're in the game. But I, I, right? I don't know. I think, well, another rumor was, you know, Microsoft, I guess, had what, offered to buy them many years ago for like billions oh, yeah. of dollars. So yeah. you wonder that's if that's sort of... If they were just like, but you wonder if that like carried over here where they're just like, forget it. Like, we've already dealt with you guys. Like, we're done. Yeah, they've and already then, dealt with them. Yeah. And then you kind of, you just keep going down and Google, Google's not going to buy it, right? They are the Kubernetes. And then you, and then you're kind of just left with AWS. And it's like, yeah, unlikely there, right? They're like, we have this. So, like, it's, so I don't know. When you really go down the list of people that could do it, you can see why, like, Mirantis was like, because I think the deal was probably some pretty simple, like, okay, we'll take this payroll on and that's it. Like, there isn't going to be, right, I, mean, I don't right. think there's any money coming from Mirantis. I know, but, but, uh, we're like, we'll assume the liabilities for this business. That's about it. But if you didn't, if, if, if you looked at this and decided you couldn't, you didn't want it, you know, you're throwing away the Docker enterprise brand. Like there's still something there. And so mm-hmm. you might as well get out of the Kubernetes game. If you didn't, you know, seriously consider this, you know, if you, if you're like, you know, third tier player in this field, you might as well get out, <laughs> shut it down. Cause Mirantis, you know, more power to them, like they're gonna be the ones who suck the oxygen out of that that, you know, field. You know, they're they're just gonna be like, All right, you know, we'll 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 be the uh you know, the HCL of this and we'll take your old software off your hands and you know, we'll squeeze it for profits and you know, we'll put our customers on it and you know, they'll probably have their own package Kubernetes that they'll slowly migrate them to. Like, you know, that's you know, that's the play they've made and they've done all right with it. Right. Is is that is that like you know, the uh, is that the Marantis thing nowadays? Basically, did like a like a just like an outsourcer? Like what? Well, or or well, do they I mean, do they do they still sell product or like what's what's their deal? They're still selling product, right? Like you know, back in the back in the OpenStack days, you know, they got a bunch of money from Red Hat and IBM or Red Hat and Intel to make OpenStack work really well, and then you know they immediately turned around and did their own distro. Mm. And, you know, which kind of turned off the Red Hat people. Uh, but, you know, Mirantis put in a whole lot of installs in a lot of places. And, you know, when OpenStack kind of fizzled, uh, you know, sl- or didn't fizzle, but it, you know, slowed. Um, and Red Hat kind of just moved in with, you know, their distro being kind of the default for everybody. Um, you know, Mirantis pivoted into CI/CD and Spinnaker right, and, right. and and Kubernetes. So they've always been kind of opportunistic about like, hey, let's we'll build this for you and meet you where you are. And now they're like, yeah, sure, you know, we'll take your three or four hundred Docker Enterprise customers and you know we'll make them happy and you know keep the lights on for them and you know we'll transition them into our our way of doing things, which you know. Uh, it seems like I, I, I just, it seems a surprising place for mm-hmm. this to end. Right? Well, I'm trying to think though, like who else, like if we were really thinking like who else could, would have legitimately thought about buying this? So well, Mesosphere, that's my question is like, I was going to say, if, well, yeah, me, what's, yeah, Mesosphere now, already pivoted, D2, right? I, there's yeah. D2IQ. So right. well, why not NetApp, right? I was shocked to find out that NetApp had an on-prem Kubernetes solution. Yeah. I think they're just, <laughs> I think they're probably more in the sense of like, I, I don't know. I think the well, writing's and, on the and, wall for and net, so net. does Cisco, right? And I'm like, why do these people have? Distros? I thought Cisco. I thought Cisco was done. Did Am I wrong? I, I don't know. Shut that That's down. The, like, I thought they did. I thought they had like three or four of them at one point. No, because no. right? I think so, the only people, I think, or like of all the ones we've talked about, like I think the only one 
that really could do it that, that I think would be like hard pass was was Oracle. Like Oracle could have said, okay, we're like we're gonna plant the flag here. Like we're going at it again, right? You know, I know they've had yeah. fits and start. So I think, I, but I think their passing is just more like we've tried this a couple times, well, and we've gone up and down. We just want to go with what we have and maybe partner with Microsoft. Like all the other cloud vendors have done something. So I just don't think they're even available to you, right? I mean, unless you're just yeah, I can't think of anybody else that would really jump on it. So, so maybe this is just back to like you sold to, you know, you're, you're kind of selling at the absolute low, right? Like, was this, yeah. this was it really going to, like, it's, like it's, why? It's 2 a.m. at the bar, the lights are on. Yeah. And I think it's just like, we don't want to have to make, yeah. And we, it's, we don't want to have to make payroll for 300 people. They just can't keep doing it. Right. So that, that was but, really but what it came down to. They're going to interview for their jobs, even, right? <laughs> you know, all those biz dev people, marketing people, sales people. Sorry, guys. You know, you should you should start pounding the pavement. All right. <laughs> start up the resume. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good I mean, it is it is one of those this interesting thing. But I do think if we go back in time, like I in this case, sometimes I feel like we you can see it coming. And other times, right, it's like I do think there was a good case to be made that Docker was gonna try to be the next VMware. And I think in the end right. it just got run over by the Kubernetes bus. Probably impossible to see that coming. And, you know, it's just like that's how it goes, right? You know, just that's just how it works out sometimes. So, yeah. kind of you know, bad timing for them. Yes, this this would be you know, historically well. One, uh, the the post that Scott Johnson has is great in that it's a complete overview of, I mean, a very brief complete overview of like container stuff. And uh, it is it is when you read it, it's pretty pretty uh, uh, is is the phrase breathtaking that it's like only been like six years or so, even seven. Right. Like it doesn't seem like it's been that uh, short amount of time. But it is. Uh, I mean, really, in uh, he even kind of alludes to this or, or, or he, he puts it in a more positive light. But, yeah, as you're saying, just like, oh, Kubernetes comes around and, uh, you know, just you know, shits on all your plans and uh, goes on its merry way, uh, which which seems to be what happened but you know this this seems like it would be a good example if uh for the for the the scott galloway types like this is the kind of thing they would have been talking about the whole time this company is weird and it's not not (laughs) correct and like all these things like that which and and i guess there's plenty of people who have uh talked about that uh uh through time mostly like in non-public recorded places where they would just bag on uh, various companies and point things out but it is mm, it is uh it, it is like illustrative in uh, in that sense of you know like like for example i'm not making much sense here in my little my little rambling but as 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 you were, you were reminding me that like at some point microsoft was going to pay billions of dollars for them it made me think that like well would that have been a wise move given how things panned out like, like there, there's always this sort of like you should have accepted the higher offer, which is true. Anyone, when anyone wants to give you a lot of money, <laughs> it's great to accept it. Like better to accept a lot of money uh, at one point than less money at another point. But then on the Microsoft side, like would that have turned out to have been a smart acquisition? Like given everything else that was happening and going on, like it, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to know. And so it seems like. It seems like if if a, someone like Microsoft passed on Docker, or or they didn't pass on it, but they were forced to pass, they were denied. Like it actually turns out, it was a, a good idea for them. Like them being willing to pay a billion dollars in no way validated that uh, it would have been a good investment. On the other hand, you could be like, well, if Microsoft did own them at that point in time, things would have gone differently and they would have had some other type of market. Yeah, acceptance. I, I, I think Microsoft would have taken slower to get run over. 
yeah. <laughs> but I think if you look at it like this, though, or if you just if we made this more like a financial thing, like hey, going back in time, like if you said to Microsoft, like a just a financial instrument, say like I'm going to give you a four billion dollar option, a call option mm. on what could be potentially be a fifty or eighty billion dollar company, right? Because that's yeah, sort yeah, of like yeah, at the time, yeah. it's like well. I'm going to pay $4 billion and like there's a, there's a reasonable chance. I don't even just put some percentage. Maybe there's only like a, there's a 20% chance this just becomes the next VMware, which is worth whatever, $80 billion, let's say. So, so in that case, and of course, Microsoft is worth a trillion dollars or thereabout, right? So you're like, not a, you know what I mean? Not a bad, yeah, yeah. no, that's like, true. That's true. Not a bad insurance bet. And then, you know, where they would be today would just be, you know, not all that different than it's not it's not apples to apples, but you know, AWS sort of has their own Kubernetes, not Kubernetes, their own orchestration, and they're kind of moving in Kubernetes. Like they would just be phasing it out, and they'd just be like, "Oh, the future is uh, Azure Kubernetes," and they would be moving it over. So I don't think in that case, even if they had done it, like we would probably look at that and be like, "Oh, what a waste of money." But it's like for them, it's probably would be like, "Ah, oh, we didn't make the huge, we didn't make the huge miss, right? We didn't miss out on an eighty yeah, billion dollar yeah. company. So what that we lost four billion? It doesn't matter." That's good. Um, which I know when I say that, like that's incredible to say that out loud. But you have to remember that like, the numbers are crazy at that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. That's a good point that it's 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 a very affordable option on something, and so the 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 way. I have no idea if people actually think this rationally, so to speak, in acquisitions. But like, yeah, it's like uh, the the risk reward stuff seems like a good gamble to make, or or whatever, whatever the positive version of a gamble. It seems like a good strategy. Well, there's some other stuff that's been going on. Uh, you can read about the links there. Apparently, they fixed the keyboards on Macs, which is great. Love it when they fix yeah. a keyboard. It uh, you know, it's really nice when the keyboard works. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's good to hear. And, uh, there's other things. If you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 205, you can look up those show notes, including, I would recommend these slides that have really just, uh, <laughs> just scrambled my brain. You should go look those up and read the article. Uh, I'll try to, I'll, maybe I'll find some of the slides and combine them together with the show art so you can look at them, but they really are just, uh, just a masterpiece in confusion. The whole, the whole thing the 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 package of the article about it and the slides so you should look those up so there's some conferences coming up we have our last spring one tour in toronto on uh december 2nd you should check that up check that out and uh there's a whole bunch of like containery kubernetes things aren't you going to one of them matt ray yeah yeah i'm going to uh kubernetes forum sydney and uh, december i love yeah, a, I, I love a good forum yeah. that's that's nice well i'm, I'm just going to uh hang out I'm, Absorb the Kubernetes goodness. Yeah, see what's going on there. We're like, yeah, hey, see what's, the- what's going on this side. That's, exactly. That's- and uh, we, there's also uh, the big old KubeCon North America coming up next week. That's next week. We'll that's, have something to talk about. That's I'm in sure. San yeah. Diego. I guess uh, that. Yeah, I didn't really. That there will be some fun news. Hopefully, there won't be some slides that just shock me into uh, complacency uh, that that I see from some strange. Uh, earnings call uh and also uh on in seattle on january 21st and 22nd there's delivery conf there's uh you can get a 10 percent discount off of that and you can also get a discount off of uh kubecon if you haven't already and then uh finally i think uh is chef conf coming up uh matt ray <laughs> not, not for a while it's uh june 1st through 4th let me go write know. that in my my calendar yeah. here june yeah, yeah yeah okay june 4th okay yeah i i figured you know where's I'll, it gonna be I'll, it's going to be in Seattle. Oh, in so, Seattle. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, see you there. Maybe you'll get us. <laughs> may, you should get us a discount code. 
Try try to figure it out. I'll see what I can do. Just be like, listen, listen. It can just be like 4% off. Doesn't have to be a big deal. Just something. Just something for people to uh, to appreciate. You don't have to go over I think backwards. There's probably some sort of like you know. I don't even know if we're selling tickets yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, whatever. Are you going to be able to do your uh, your Emacs talk at it? Just can you just um, do that talk over and over again now? I, you know, I was not planning on submitting that talk. Maybe something else. Mm, that we'll would be see. a great DevOps days talk. You should just try to just try to submit it and see what happens. See if it see if it, <laughs> see if it gets accepted. it's like i don't care that this is uh an azure conference i'm here to talk about emacs yeah or or (laughs) i just just submit it to everything yeah you know what kubernetes needs more emacs find some like aix conferences they probably use emacs right and uh so so do we have any any listener feedback this week to go over brandon anything exciting happen yeah, a couple quick things here. So uh, one, we've got some suggested jobs. Uh, Jordy wants you to get a job at GitLab. So I think they're pretty remote friendly. Uh, so check out that link. Uh, somebody that we definitely don't know, I think Matt Ray wants you to become a professional <laughs> services consultant for Chef in, uh, in oh, APAC yeah. in Singapore yeah. and Australia. So there's a job. You know, We can probably uh, get you in touch with the hiring manager on that one. Uh, I think last week, I think I posted some jobs at DXC. So if you want a job, I think those were over in Europe. Check out last week's uh, suggested job. So lots of stuff. If you, if you want a job, someone around here can probably help you out. And then, of course, we mailed a bunch of stickers to lots of different people. So I mailed Dave some stickers in West Hartford. West Hartford. So I don't know what's going on there, but that's our second listener in just a couple of weeks. So I'm declaring it. We're the number one tech podcast covering Kubernetes in West Hartford. I think we own that market. Um, <laughs> also sent uh, Patrick from Raleigh some stickers. He tells us that we keep him entertained on the commute home. So we're happy to do that. He's mailed some stickers to Eric in the UK. And uh, if you would like uh, stickers, just send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Uh, again, we'll need your postal address. I know it seems obvious. You're like, of course I'm going to do it. But you'd be surprised how many people tell me they want stickers without their postal address. So send it to me and we'll get it to you. And then two other quick things. Uh, we had a good discussion last week about you know, web IDEs. I think I posed a question, does anyone use this? And I actually got some interesting answers. One was... Um, web IDs, great if you're running training classes. So if you have to like mm. run a training class for a couple days and you want everyone to like use the same thing, uh, it makes a lot of sense to have a web ID. So there you go. So I guess for, if you're like AWS or somewhere else and you're doing lots of training, um, you can probably use the web ID. And I should mention real quick, I'm actually going to be downtown here in Austin at the AWS. I think they call it, um, what is it called? Like uh, they have this like workshop thing on Monday. So if you're there on Monday, and you find me, I'm sure I'll have stickers with me. So that was a good example of the ID. So I appreciate someone pointing that out. And then uh, another friend, friend of the show, Brian, he told me, Matt, that Lotus Notes handles daylight savings perfectly. So there you go. <laughs> There's a reason to use Lotus Notes. So go. thanks to everyone for the feedback. Always good to hear from the listeners. Are we are we going to run out of stickers sometime soon? It's a lot of stickers. We are very close. We yeah. are very close. But luckily, we, we, we have the capability more. to order more. We have uh, the internet. We'll be fine. Yeah. As long as we send them your mailing address, we'll get them. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with that, uh, so this week, Marais, what do you have to recommend? Well, uh, so last week on the episode, I was uh, talking about upgrading uh, SSDs and, and MacBooks. And uh, I went ahead and wrote that up. So um, it, you know, it was supposed to be in the show notes. Somehow I missed it. And then I decided to write a whole article about it. So uh, uh, link there to my uh uh, to that on my blog. And then um, there was an article in, I 
think it was Verge, uh, talking about the wonderful world of Chinese hi-fi. So uh, I this was kind of fascinating and something I've kind of picked up on recently where, um, you know, all these great audio headphones, you know, Beats and Apple and, you know, Sennheiser and all those brands, they're all made pretty much in the same like city in China and Shenzhen. And, and so like a lot of the people who were building those kind of looked around and said, well, I know where to buy all these supplies. I can build the exact same headphones uh, or, you know, the exact same components um, for, you know, much cheaper and cut out the middleman. And so the market's getting kind of flooded at the bottom end with really high quality stuff and really low quality stuff at the same time, you know, flooded is the, the proper world. And so this article kind of points out that there's this whole underground audiophile world where people are trying to find the best high headphones for like 20 bucks <laughs> or, you know, 50 bucks. Whereas, you know, the price point on them might be an order of magnitude higher for the name brand stuff. So, uh, I'm planning on getting some of their recommendations cause, uh, I've got, um, some, some big uh, headphones that are falling apart. So I'll, uh, eventually report back on, on my Chinese headphones. Uh, but yeah, I, I found it kind of interesting. And then kind of on a side note, like my, uh, my son said, you know, I want, I want an iPod Nano. Do they make those anymore? And I was hmm. like, not really. And then, you know, we went to Amazon and searched for, you know, iPod Nano. And there's like a billion Chinese MP3 players that are cost like $40 that do everything, you know. <laughs> hmm. So uh, if you're into cheap electronics, uh, you know, it's, it's, May I it's recommend a view China. of what's to come. <laughs> 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 yes, yes. I like the gadgety aspects, though. Now, you know, now did, do, like, he just he just wanted a music player, not just like playing music on a phone or something. Or what? What's what was the well, reason? Well, you here? know, he's ten, so he doesn't have a phone. Oh, and, okay, 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 okay. Right, and he was like, yeah, wanted something that he could load up with a bunch of music and uh, probably our podcast, and mm -hmm. <laughs> and not have to worry about being online and stuff. And it turns out, like for forty bucks, you can get. Um, a screen and Bluetooth and uh, an FM tuner and audio and voice recording and, you know, uh, eight gigabytes of storage with and an upgradable um, SD card slot is like um, crazy. Yeah. I love those SD card slots. You can just, uh, you know, upgrade your storage yourself for really cheap. It's yeah. like, what a novel idea. Hmm. Well, how about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend this week? Yeah, well, I uh, guess continuing the theme of audio. So my son, he turned nine this week, and he wanted some uh, some wireless headphones. And so, of course, he wanted the Beats. And I was like, I don't know. The Beats are just not going to sound that good, and I didn't really want to do it. But we ended up getting a good deal on the Beats Solo Wireless for kids. We got them for uh, a pretty good deal. And I will have to say, I love these, not because I listen to them, because just like uh, when I got my AirPods, you know, it is incredible how convenient it is uh, to have wireless uh, headphones. And, of course, they look – they're beats so they look cool at least they look cool to him and he loves to wear them so what does that mean silence in the house it means we don't <laughs> put it on no, like, see, there's I a showed him. To that though there's a downside. i know like, you gotta have to like watch what they're doing headphones no no yeah. my kids walk around with headphones and it's like being in a house full of zombies like yeah they don't talk they're listening mm -hmm. to audiobooks or something I'm and the, but I'm you know on the you call end. them I, and they're yeah, they're they're yeah. not coming it's so annoying oh yeah no i get it listen I, i'm gonna eventually get to where you are but right now i'm just enjoying the fashion of like oh those youtube videos all that yelling and then you know they're always getting you know, oh, yeah. yelling and stuff so it's just great that he'll like put them on 
It'll be real quiet, and he likes to wear them. So I'm like, that alone was worth the pay for the overpriced Beats uh, uh, solo wireless headphones for kids. So definitely uh, check them out if your if your kid, like my son, uh, wanted them. I, I I recommend them and the wireless ones because again, just what Matt said, it turns your kids into zombies and they never talk to you. Which you know sometimes it's not all bad. You, know, you have to you have to take the bad for the good. And yeah, then uh, we are. We already mentioned it. Um, I just put a link to the Pivot podcast so you can check out Scott, Professor Scott Galloway yourself if you want to listen to it. Uh, that link's in there as well. Boy, these yeah, I'm looking at the, uh, the 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 Beat Solo Three Wireless page. These 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 people that they have on the page using them, they need to like. I sound like my grandpa, but boy, they're those kind of fashion people who don't smile and they just kind of looks looks like someone just caught them off guard and like oh can we take a picture of you youths using these headphones and look very upset not smiley <clears throat> well since to to complete our audio version of this i uh i got some of those uh those those airpods pros i looked up how to say it no wait airpods pro it says here in my it's airpods pro <laughs> or as i think i'm going to call it from now on airpods AirPods Pros, uh, but I I, uh, I I heard, no pun intended, that they had good noise canceling, and I thought, that sounds great. I'd love some good noise canceling. Uh, so I got them, and sure enough, you know, well, I don't know if this is true, but like most noise canceling things, they don't reduce all noise. But boy, I'll tell you what, when you're sitting on a little uh, KLM city hopper, just sort of blasting mm-hmm. off from London, that little London City Airport strip, uh they they do lower the volume quite a bit and they're just kind of nice like to walk around even if you don't listen with anything just to like shut out a little bit more of the world it's very calming yeah i i used to have i was given what was the name of the company that the jungle disc guy started that was uh like fire discs or something remember they were bought by someone hmm I should try to remember what that was. But I, I remember I spoke when I was at 451, I spoke at some little dinner they had, and they gave me a peer, uh, some, some sort of Bose noise-canceling headphones, which were yeah. nice. But the problem was on airplanes, the noise-canceling thing wasn't sophisticated enough, or maybe it was, but, you know, if you had the vent on and air was blowing on it, it would totally screw them up. They would just get very confused, and uh, they wouldn't work well. Plus, they were gi- gigantic and bulky, and I didn't want to be like... I didn't want to turn on into these kids on the Beats page who, who don't know how to smile anymore and just like. Oh, I've got the little sullen. like in ear ones, but um, I don't know. You know, maybe maybe someday I'll get myself some uh, Pods Pros Airs, whatever. Pods Pros, they're nice, and then you know they're like all Apple stuff. They're just fun to use, and then you kind of you know the newness wears off. But I think I think they're very functional, and uh, they have wireless charging. I don't know what that is. I, I haven't really had it, had uh, been able to use that anywhere. I got to upgrade my phone, I think. And then I mentioned this. I'll put a link to it. But the uh, if you go, it's hard because there's an old D and D module called Crypt of the Warlock. But there's this this Crypt of the Warlock. It's like this six page adventure and rules for a little role playing game. And uh, I think I think so far my nine year old Cormac and I we can kind of figure out how to play it, and it's fun. But you should check that out. I'm always looking for like some simple games to uh, to get kids interested in that kind of stuff, but he seems to like it. Well, with that, this has been another episode of Software Defined Talk. You can get the show notes for this episode, go see all the previous ones. You should go join our little Slack channel. You can follow us on Instagram and stuff. But if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can find all of that stuff. And uh, I guess, you know, hopefully next week, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>